missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Footy Fans Podcast, Episode 9 here. Andrew Santo and Joe, as always. Uh, just a little apologies for last week. We had no episode. Uh, Thanksgiving here in Canada was going on, and then there's also some scheduling conflicts that <laughs> ensued the week after. So we are technically one week behind in the EPL schedule, but you know nothing crazy happened, I don't think. <laughs> no. I mean, the standings and the, the table are pretty much as is. Um. But yeah, this week here, we did have Champions League in the midweek, but again, it was difficult to, uh, you know, watch everything this week. There's yeah. other uh, commitments going on, so we're strictly going to focus on the EPL just for this weekend, and um, yeah, the biggest match of the week, Liverpool Man United, it was touted to be a clash of titans, uh, Mo Salah versus Ronaldo, you know, uh, Rashford making his appearance, coming back, versus... You know Sadio Mane and how they're going to clash and everything like that, and it turned into more of a bloodbath as opposed to a clash of titans. Yeah, I mean we could talk all day about what happened in that game. Um, you know, uh, Liverpool Man U is one of the games where it has so much history. Um, you know, two of the top teams, season after season, going at it, and usually makes for you know a really competitive game. Um, but in this case, it was just, like you said, a bloodbath and just one-way traffic all game. No consolation, really, for Man U. And I think it's going to be it's gonna be a wake-up call for a lot of players. And Ole, not, obviously not 100% sure what's going to happen because nothing's been announced. But um, I think there's a lot of talks about whether he's going to keep his job or not after that one. Yeah, like it was, con- it was a little hard... To believe what was going on in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, when Bruno had that early chance, I was kind of thinking, oh, like, you know, this is going to be one of those matches where, you know, it's going to be a little bit back and forth. I noticed that. But I think it went to show the difference between the two, how clinical Liverpool is in the box versus Man U just, you know, squandering. You know, if that shot goes in by Bruno, completely different game. But I think that's the difference between why... Liverpool's at the top of the league and Man U's kind of slipping because, you know, in those kind of games, you have to take your clear-cut chances, which is exactly what Liverpool did. They they scored their first two clear chances, and that put the game to bed. And Really, that was the deciding factor, I think. And I guess it also goes to show that maybe there's not enough in Man U to grind out a result when they go behind against a big club. So I think that's what's going to, you know, prevent them from you know, getting to that next level. Yeah, like the team stats at the end of that match were 12 shots um, for United with four on target. And yeah, even if any one of those four went in, mm-hmm. this could be a completely different storyline. 
Yeah. Like the Bruno chance, like you said, it was like the first 10 minutes It was or so. the first big chance of the game. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you, that can turn the game on its head because, you know, Salah didn't score until... Oh, sorry, Navicata scored in the fifth minute. Yeah. Um, So that obviously kind of directed the game to Liverpool's favor. But, yeah, if Bruno Fernandes would either equalize that or mm-hmm. after, after that chance, um, it would be a totally different story. But I was watching the post game afterwards with Paul Scholes and Michael Owen. Mm-hmm. And it was just a good dynamic because, you know, Scholes is like yeah. Liverpool legend or United legend and Owen, Liverpool legend. And they both were like basically coming down to the same conclusion with, like, with their arguments, saying that United just doesn't have like that grit mm-hmm. in, in to push themselves to the next level. Like they mentioned that Cavani and like Ronaldo have like won in other places. Pogba has won in mm-hmm. international, but everyone else has never won anything. Yeah. Like domestically. I think maybe De Gea is like the last player on the squad has actually won the title for with the mm-hmm. United. Yeah, like yeah. everyone else is still haven't won, so they haven't gotten to like that, um, like that gritty part of the season where they have to grind out wins and like they, they like have mm-hmm. to play how championship sides play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with this kind of squad they have, it is tough because City was in the same boat, but they brought in managers that have won. Major league titles, they're like, This is our guy, you know, even Mancini, like, very successful in Syria. And then they br- bring in Pep, who's you know, that's the kind of guy you need if you have, I don't want to say an immature team, but a team that hasn't had that experience to win a major title. You need a coach that's going to push them to change, you know, their style or their kind of mindset around that, mm-hmm. which they don't have right now. Yeah, I mean, what confused me about the game was it looked like Man U went to, into damage control when they were already just annihilated. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, obviously you don't have, you know, a whole lot of control. And, like, when goals are getting flooded in, you're, like, trying to <laughs> enforce some damage control. And then by the time you do it, it's, like, done. Um, I still am... And I've been questioning this with Man U for a lot of years about their midfield. I don't know how your club like Man U and your midfield has been in shambles since Sir Alex Ferguson retired and Paul Scholes retired. Yeah, like true. it's been a problem for how many years now and they just can't figure it out. And uh, the signings they've made there, I haven't been like really thrilled about. They, they don't have any solid presence um, like every other top team does in the league. Um, to just enforce that midfield. I think it's like a really, really big weakness in their team. And until they figure that out, I, I don't think anything's really going to work for them. Cause, and no disrespect to Fred and McTominay. Um, Pogba, I thought was going to be that, but he's like in and out of the team. His performance has been kind of questionable and I don't know how he's meshing with Oli, but you need that solid presence. You know, when you had Skulls and um, Carrick Ryan, Ryan Giggs. or and yeah. you had Fletcher and Giggs, like, you know, that's why you're winning championships, right? And you can, you know, build a team around that. And obviously you get Ronaldo in there. But right now it's just like a big gaping hole that I think they got to figure out. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to control games like yeah. like City would or Chelsea does. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you going to do that without any really creative playmaker and solid defensive midfielders that are going to take the game of teams? Well, you say players like Fred and McTominay. Those aren't sexy names when it comes no. to like... You know, midfielders like that you think of off the top of your head, they're more like bit players. Yeah. But they're being forced to play, you know, starting 11 minutes. Fred, not so much yeah. maybe, but McTominay, 
for sure. He's been there for you know a season or two now. Yeah, and they shouldn't be the type of player that's like first on the on the the team sheet, right? Um, but that that being said, it's difficult to change the players mid season because like once you have like your roster, your yeah. once you have your squad, like you're kind of set with what you have until January at least. Mm-hmm. So the only alternative to look at is the manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that the players that they have, yeah, they don't have the sexiest names to them. I mean, players like Pogba and Bruno Fernandez, they're world class, but they can only, they can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that being said, you kind of have to look at Solskjaer and how he sets the team up tactically, mm-hmm. because he could change the formation so that they don't get as exposed in the midfield, and even like the defense today, the, the defense was in shambles. Yeah. yeah. Like Harry Maguire was getting pulled out of position too easily, missing tackles, um, like you know three out of the five goals, it was, like, wide open. Yeah. Like, there's, like, one guy far post. Like, the goal that uh, Diego Jota scored, him and Milner were, like, wide open far post. Like, either one could have scored. Yeah. Like, how do you leave two guys like that? So, I think it also comes down to, like, yeah, the players aren't maybe performing as well as they should. That could be development-wise. That could be, like, you know, they're getting exposed. But, unfortunately, the easier change midseason like this would be to sack the manager. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, starting from scratch and getting new players because you can't do that until January transfer comes in. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I kind of had my doubts about Solskjaer going into this game because of their recent form that they've been going through. Like, they played Atalanta midweek in Champions League and it came out with, like, a really sketchy win, like, last minute. Yeah. But they got completely outplayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week before, they just lost. Um, who they lose to the week before? In Leicester. Uh, yeah, they lost yeah. to Leicester a week before. So, I mean, they've had, and that's just obviously result-wise, but they've also been playing poorly. Yeah, yeah. But even the games that they have shown a positive result, they're they're not playing good. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of comes down to how Solskjaer is lining the boys up mm-hmm. every game. And, I mean, this game was at home, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, I know, which is super surprising. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't have wanted been Ole or any of the players on Man U getting that performance in at home i mean yeah. he got booed going to halftime booed going leaving the stands yeah, at the end of the yeah, game that's, that's rough man. and i know against one, liverpool yeah i guess liverpool literally against like, like the, biggest, the biggest rivalry than, like, arguably the Man City in the world derby. other than manchester derby this is like the biggest game well i in think england this is probably, it's probably arguably bigger, bigger than it this is, yeah, they like more historically historically yeah it's the biggest ticket geographic wise plus like just how they've played you know the EPL only started 30-something years ago, about 30 years ago. Yeah. But before the EPL was official, Liverpool and United were like was, the two was, teams that just kept winning everything. So, yeah, yeah, that was the game. Um, so, yeah, obviously there's a lot of history of that involved. And that's why, again, like this game was portrayed as like a big clash of titans. And when you look at it, at the end of the, state, at the, end of the match year, the standings, yeah. you know, it's what, seven-point difference now between yeah. United and Liverpool? So, I mean, we, we mentioned earlier... Um, in the podcast that around Christmas time would kind of show the checks and balances of the season and like where teams are going to mesh up. But I think that's starting to be more prevalent now, even in middle of October. Yeah. We've had some weeks off for international breaks and some players have been resting and some uh, teams are finding a little bit better form. But I mean, middle of October, you got United, you know, like I said, seven points back of of first place. Oh, sorry, yeah. seven points back of um, second place Liverpool. Like, this might be a hole that they can't climb out of. No. I mean, they're uh, sad to say that it's looking kind of like the form they were in when it was, like, early in the Marino years and they were really struggling. 
um, or even like the Van Gaal <laughs> era. Van Gaal years. Um, you know, three losses, a draw, and a win in your last five matches. You know, it's it's tough, right? Um, especially with how competitive everything has been this year. Um, you're going to have to pick up a lot of results uh, to get back into Champions League. Um, even, you know, you have to you have Tottenham, Brighton, and West Ham outside of the top three that you're fighting a spot for. And even based on what Brighton showed to get today against City, you know, they did get pumped pretty good. But just their, how they were playing um, was a very different Brighton side than what we're used to. And, you know, I think even teams like that, uh, it's going to be tough for Man U to compete against them if they're going to continue playing like this. Well, like yeah. I, so go ahead, Joe. No, like you said, it's just that grit, really. Yeah. And yeah. Look, going back to the midfield, and maybe this isn't fair to say, but, you know, Man U spent a lot of money in the transfer window over the coming years. and I, But I feel like a lot of it wasn't, like, tactically based. Mm-hmm. Like, you buy Cavani, Ronaldo, Sancho, but you still have this gaping hole in your midfielder. Like you could have spent that money to get your, you know, I don't know, your version of like a Fernandinho or someone who's going to like hold, hold down Mm -hmm. the house or something. And even oddly enough, someone at work keeps saying this like, yeah, we got Ronaldo great, but like, that's not what we need right now. (laughs) Like, I don't know what Fred does for the team. Like, (laughs) I know, but like we need a bear. We need someone in that midfield. That's, Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, going to hold down the house because it's just not there. Pogba could be that player, but he's he's not going to be that you know grit guy like a Conte in the middle of the park, and he doesn't need to yeah. do that for France because Conte's there. So they need someone like that in the team, and Fred and McTominay just really aren't that type of player. So I feel that's where they have to spend their money versus another high-profile signing that's you know another attacking threat because they got plenty of those right now. They don't need another one, mm-hmm. so it's just got to be more you know, a little bit more thought out in the transfer window coming yeah. up. So, yeah. And sorry, I know you, you want to say things, yeah, but I just want to yeah. toss this in because Joe made a good point there. Um, Like, for example, when, I, when I'm sitting down, I'm getting ready to watch a Man City game. I have a pretty decent idea of what's going to happen from a Man City perspective. Whether they, like, implement their game plan. I have, like, a fair amount of confidence that I know I'm going to see certain things happening during the game. Mm-hmm. You know, passing plays that Man City does, what they do in the final third, what they do when they're playing out of the back, just every step of the field, I have a pretty decent idea of what's going to happen. When I watch Man U, I have no clue what's going to unfold in front of me. <laughs> there's, right? no, there's no consistency. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of like... They're consistently distraught. <laughs> it's kind of like what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think that's like the difference between, you know, your your top, top teams there and teams that, you know, are maybe struggling to find their identity a little bit where, you know, even when back at Leicester, when they won the EPL, we oh, yeah. we knew we kind of knew what was going to happen every game when we watched yeah. Leicester play. You know, they had a game plan and they stuck to it where it feels like with Man U, they're still trying to figure out like how to work their system and how to utilize their players, because right now it doesn't really feel like they know. Well, when you compare teams like United and City, I think the biggest takeaway is that United is a group of individuals mm-hmm. and City is a collective team. Yeah, absolutely. And that might be unfair to say because, they, I mean, they are world-class players on both sides, but the one constant for City is that they have Pep. Mm-hmm. And then the one constant for United is that 
in the last seven seasons since Ferguson has left, they've had five managers. Yeah. And, I mean, with every manager, obviously, brings their own playing style. So you have David Moyes there for, like, 50 games. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't have to get into that. That was an absolute (laughs) mess. Yeah. And then he leaves. Ryan Giggs comes in as a caretaker for four matches. That's irrelevant. And then you have Van Gaal and Mourinho there for 103 in 144 games. Two completely different playing styles. Right. Like, like they could not be polar opposites of each other. And then now I got Solskjaer there for 164. So Solskjaer has actually surpassed Van Gaal and Mourinho in matches managed for United. Mm -hmm. But his win percentage is actually lower than both of theirs. Yeah. And arguably they've had... This is the, I mean, this might be the best team that they've had in the last five years or so, At just actual talent-wise. Yeah, I would say so. I agree. But, I mean, it all depends how the manager uses the talent. Yeah. And you mentioned Cavani and Sancho coming in on transfers. They don't even play. I know. Cavani came in today. I don't know why. <laughs> the game was already the game was already at a loss. I don't know why he brought him in. But he brought Cavani in, and then you got Sancho there on the bench still. Which yeah. is a game and probably was... that he was like thankful he didn't make an appearance on because I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want to come in then like no. the 65th minute I mean, or something. Yeah. But like you keep saying about Sancho, that would have been the ideal <laughs> spot to bring him in. You know, if you don't trust him yet, you know, at least bring him on when the game's already done, which I don't even know if that'd be good for his confidence. I don't think so. That's what I mean. Like <laughs> I if I was Sancho, not. I'd be like, are you picking me now? Like, like yeah. We were up, you know, we were up two two nil like last game and I didn't get an appearance. And you bring me on now we're down five nothing. Yeah. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Um, but this is, I mean, this is kind of like another thing where I think Solskjaer might just not have been ready for the spotlight. I mean, he didn't have the greatest managerial record before he joined United. Right. Obviously, he's a Man U legend, but we've seen in the past that legends of teams don't always make the best managers. Yeah. yeah. It's not I, unless I, you're like, you know, unless you're you're Pep and you're actually good at managing. It's very tough. Yeah. You know, they're not. He's not going to be the one to take them to first in the EPL and finish the season. Right. But, points. but Pep was also an understudy of, of Mourinho at Barcelona. Yeah. So, I mean, they all, you kind of have to learn from from somebody. And like Solskjaer obviously learned from Alex Ferguson, uh, Alex Ferguson when he was there. Yep. At that point in his career, I don't know if he was like learning to be a better player, learning to be a manager at that point. But, I mean, you kind of, to make that leap, right? From let's take a look here. He made the leap from coaching two teams in the, the Norwegian league to United. Yeah, it's very like, very big step. Like obviously he understands the pressure of being at Manchester United, but the the pressure of being a player and the pressure of being a manager are two completely different things. Yeah, and that's the thing. I wouldn't even put it in the same. It shouldn't even be a factor, really, for me at least. Like. It doesn't matter how good of a player you were, you know, what's your coaching resume and like, what have you done mm-hmm. and how are you as a manager? Like what you did as a player for me is really irrelevant, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure you've had experience in the big games, but like you said, playing in a big game and managing a big game, it's totally different. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I guess my one question is like, do you think Ole's keeping his job? Up till next match week. I don't know. I mean, it's it's always speculation, really. Um, but for me, it's it's more of like, w- what is his game plan? Like, where where is he taking United? And like, 
what's his i think his plan on who he wants to sign would be a bigger indication to me of whether he's the right fit for Manu, because like we said he needs some solid players in, in the midfield right now and mm-hmm. if he can't see that i would be a little concerned <laughs> on, yeah. as to whether he should still be coaching or not yeah i mean just looking at their games coming up i mean tottenham city watford chelsea then Arsenal. Yikes. You know, very, you know aside from the maker, maker season right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tottenham game, you know, Tottenham's not necessarily been playing their best. So, you know, I know it's early, but that is a must win because you're going to lose more than likely your next game to City, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> Bearing a disaster from City. But, I mean, he joined the club in 2018 as a manager. So, if you look at it from that, he's had at least, what, five transfer windows? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, if he was to approach, you know, ownership at the, at the beginning of the season, of each season, mm-hmm. and say, this is my outline, because I'm sure they do that. They must have presentations, yeah. and like they, it's, like, it's like running any business. Yeah. Right? Right. This is my plan for the future. This is my projections. If he sat down with the ownership and said, this is what I want to do. These are the players I want to sign. This is who I want. And up until now, that hasn't happened yet. Like, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened where it's been beneficial for the team yet. If I was ownership, I would feel weary going into January with this guy at the helm still. Yeah. Because yeah. imagine he goes out there and spends another $80 million on, on two players or buys one player for $60 million or something mm-hmm. and doesn't pan out again. That's another transfer window gone. It's another sixty million, possibly down the tubes. Yeah, and then ownership's going to be responsible for that money. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be attached to his name. So, like you said, does he get sacked now? He's in a weird spot because they they got a huge run of games coming on, like Joe said. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to like? Would you let him go now? Yeah. Would you let him go after the Man City game? And like, like I mean, like they got dismantled this bad by Liverpool. Yeah, City arguably Liverpool. You can go 1A, 1B for who's better. Yeah. But if this is the result they put out against Liverpool, God knows what's going to happen when they play a team like City. Yeah. yeah. So imagine they have maybe a victory against Tottenham next week because Tottenham's kind of on the slide. But then they get crushed 6-1 to City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's hypothetically. It's going to be like they might they might get a draw against Tottenham or something. They're going to maybe get crushed by City win against Wofford somehow lose to Chelsea badly it's gonna be this up and down just you know yeah what? that's what I, I feel mean. like that's gonna happen it's just gonna prolong but do you keep but, Solskjaer long enough to play those matches I don't know like well, well I and I don't know what's going on with the board because I'm not sure how much he influences Ed Woodward I don't know if the yeah. signings that get brought in are probably him or the board bringing in the players and he's just has to work with them I'm not entirely sure well, there's outrageous. there's gotta be communication between the two of them. Like, if they bring somebody in that he's not going to work with their system, yeah, then like, well, it's totally useless. Yeah, I know. Like a player like sorry, like a player like Sancho. Was Sancho Solskjaer's car? So Solskjaer's call, or is he? I don't know. Sure. Right, and because he was feeling the pre- they're feeling the pressure right from the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, who pulled the trigger on that deal? And that's I why I, th- I think it can go either way. I don't know if that's public record or not. I don't know if it's like Solskjaer made no. the deal or ownership. I have no idea. But he's clearly not using the player. Yeah, spent 110 million on him. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. And I, I honestly, I think that's that's the thing where it's, um, 
a lot of it is communication between ownership and the manager. Like for Fred, for example, he got brought in when Mourinho was in and Mourinho didn't want him, but um, like ownership or, you know, however it kind of gets brought down was saying like, no, we're like, we're, we're signing this player. So I think it, it goes both ways where, you know, a manager say like, yeah, I want to bring in this player and like ownership will agree or like maybe a player gets forced onto the team um, that they feel like should be on the team. So I think it's one of those things where it's not always a straight um, kind of hierarchy of how a player gets brought in because, you know, if you're ownership and you got scouts and whatnot and you really feel like a, a player should be brought into your team. And maybe your scouts come and say, like, no, we should pick up this player. And the ownership's like, yeah, all right, we're going to sign this player. And you kind of force it on the manager, and they got to make the player work. Um, it's, I think it's really tough for the manager because it's kind of like when you're put in a job and you're forced to do a job you don't want to do. And then you're doing a bad job, and then you get fired for doing a bad job. So I can definitely see from the manager's perspective of how it's like you're really put in a tough spot where, mm-hmm. all right, here's, here's four, four players isn't really what we need but like we need you to make it work yeah go on a string of bad games lose all of them ownership because along be like you're not doing a good enough job and yeah you're me let go um but i do feel like once sir alex ferguson was in because of um and maybe in the situation similar to pep where how much their system influences how well the team does ownership's not gonna be like we're bringing this player i feel like they would be like hang on like we don't we're winning all play. these games. We have a particular system. This player is not going to fit. Yeah. I, I think, think it's a, a really big relational thing. I think it. you're probably right. It does have to do with that. Because, you know, if if City said, oh, we're bringing in this, you know, center back or this defensive midfielder, it's like, no, we don't need a defensive midfielder. We have Rodri. Rodri's the future. We have Fernandinho's backup. I need someone, like, on left back right now. Like, why are you bringing in this player? I'm not going to use him. Mm-hmm. And they're going to trust Pep because he has a system. I feel like what you said with the fans, like Sancho, has, they've been trying to sign him for years and they became available and so much pressure from the fans. I'm pretty sure that probably wasn't all like, I want Sancho. Maybe it was, but they were probably going to bring him in regardless. Same with Ronaldo. Yeah. And, you know, if I if Pep was running United, he probably would have put his foot down and said, no, I need a defensive midfielder. I don't need Sancho. <laughs> Do not, yeah. I don't need yeah. Sancho on this team right now. I need a defensive midfielder. I think that's probably the situation here where the board is just bringing in these high-profile players. Like They're going to sign Ronaldo regardless. Sancho, same thing. But they don't need that. And I don't know how much influence Ole has on the board to bring in these players. So it's like a situation you said. They're just bringing in these guys. He has to make it work. And if he's not doing a good enough job, they're going to fire him for it, which kind of sucks. Because it's you know not entirely fair. No, yeah. that's probably the situation. It's like a reverse Moneyball conundrum. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, best way to put it. Reverse Moneyball. Like yeah. Billy Bean had his players. Some of them were crap, but he had a system. Yeah, yeah. He had to play the system, and it worked for him. I mean, yeah, because he he got to choose whether he benched players or not. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was totally it was totally in his control. Yeah, and then once the manager started listening to what ownership yeah. was saying, they started turning out wins. So. Yeah. I don't walk know. Walk into the room and say, "Just you sold, uh, yeah, you sold Fred or oh, something." Yeah. <laughs> it's like Fred's gone too. <laughs> <That'd be Yeah. laughs> you just come in like middle of like January. It's like okay, yeah, Fred's gone. Yeah. McTominay's gone. Harry Maguire is gone. It's like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're killing this team. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's the toughest job in the world. I think to be manager of a football club, like it's gotta oh, be. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you're getting it from everywhere. Fans, uh, players, ownership, everybody, your wife at home. They're all giving you suggestions on like how to coach the team probably. And, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and it comes down to your decision, your call. And as a player, you know, you make a mistake in the 25th minute, you make up for it in the 35th minute. As a manager, every play that you, every, you know, choice that you make, it's going to be scrutinized. It's going to be mm-hmm. um, dissected to like mm-hmm. the nth degree. And then you're going to be held accountable for that decision for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and that happens 20, 20 times a week as a manager, right? Yeah. So. Very tough. I mean, I don't know if I want to do like a round table of like what we think Solskjaer is going to happen with him, but. Honestly, I think if if they lose to Tottenham and City, and well, I mean this sounds obvious, but if they lose to Watford, then he'll probably be gone. I don't think he can lose his next three matches, which more than likely could happen. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens in the Watford game. If they eke out, if they win against Tottenham, it could be a situation where it's just prolonged longer. It's like, oh yeah, we beat Tottenham. Oh, we lost City. Oh, we tied or beat Watford. Oh, we got smashed by Chelsea. <laughs> you know, it's going to yeah. be one of those things where it's just up and down, like I said. Well, because we'll I feel it. like they're a team right now where they're not like Chelsea, Liverpool, City, where you're expected to win every game. I feel like Man City, and it's it's funny saying this because this is basically where Liverpool was eight years ago, I want to say, mm. where you're a quote-unquote top team, but you can't go in expecting to win every game with the team you have in the way you're playing because you just, you just don't have that system and those massive quality of players like the top three do right now. So I think it's naive for even like the fans and ownership to go in thinking like, yeah, we're, we're Manchester United. We're facing Brighton who's two spots ahead of us, but we're, we're expecting to win. It's like, you know, like, yeah, sure. Maybe like all the pundits, everyone's saying you're, you're favored to win, but you know, judging by your performances, like there's no there's no indication that you actually deserve to win this game. So, like you said, you gotta have grit, you gotta grind it out like a team that is in seventh and you gotta earn yeah. every every win. Right? Yeah. So how many games do you give Solskjaer? Like what's your what's two. your date? Two games? Two. Yeah. I give him these next three games. If he doesn't get at least four points from these next three games, then he's probably gone. I think you guys are being too generous. Well, I mean, if I was... The, no, I <laughs> yeah, think that's what's going to happen. If I was ownership... Well, and how do, I can't even speak for, speak for Ed Woodward because I would... If I was the man you board, I would have changed the ownership by now as well. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, what I would have done. Protest too. Yeah. On, I mean, it's just not that. cohesive. I don't feel like it's the same with... I mean, Chelsea, it's its own... <laughs> You know, with Abramovich, you can go slide down a million miles an hour in the wrong path in like <laughs> two seconds. That's its own story. But with Liverpool and City, I feel like there's a very good connection between the manager and ownership, and I feel like that's that because they're winning though. But I feel like they're, turn, the they're turning out results. I feel like the communication's more open to what is going to make the club successful versus you know Man U, where it's like, oh, <laughs> well, the fans want Sancho. Here you go. Yeah, well, I'm sure when yeah. when Solskjaer got appointed. They had a great relationship together, but then he started losing. Yeah. I mean, like... But I, I think... Where did I hear it? I feel like they brought in Ole. And I, this might not be fair to say, but they brought in Ole because he would do what the board wanted. He was a yes man. You know what I mean? I th- I'm not sure if that's true or not, but mm. there was speculation about that's why he's kind of in the job because he'll do what they say versus, you know, <laughs> City with his ownership. It's like, you know, no, like, this is what I need. Oh, I wouldn't be able to do that. 
Because then you, because then you have you know one hand tied behind your back with every choice that you make. Yeah. So you have to like go ask for like permission to make a choice when it's like should be your choice. Yeah. Like I don't. Pep has to go do that. Yeah. You know, he probably tells him like, "This is what we need." Yeah. It's like if it doesn't work, you can fire me. But <laughs> like you're you're gonna clop. Like I, I feel like that's his personality. You're gonna clop. Does not go to, you know, his boss and be like. Can I like do this? Can I put Keita in midfield today? Like, yeah, he does whatever the hell he wants to do, and I mean that comes with clout, that comes with pedigree, mm-hmm. which Solskjaer does not have as a manager right now. Yeah, I mean, all obviously pure speculation, but I think it shows right with yeah, it's tough. The I mean, if because if you were a good manager, you would have brought in a solid defensive midfielder by now. Yeah, there, and you. I mean, and like the more we talk about it, the more it makes it sound obvious, and I think the fans know it because the fellow i work with he keeps saying he's like we don't we need a defensive midfielder and the big gaping hole and they obviously can't do it because they spent all this money on these, on these well they have players. no money matic too i know but he's not the guy no be, but he, I, I don't see him playing that often anymore either he's yeah. being underutilized yeah but i mean obviously he's getting up in age and like with chelsea he was kind of in his prime so when he left mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know why he actually left but um i give him one game yeah I mean, I wouldn't. I, if if we woke up tomorrow morning and it already happened, it would not surprise me. Right. I, yeah, it wouldn't I surprise don't me think it will happen. But mm-hmm. if the result next week against Tottenham isn't positive, I could see it happening before the City Derby, the Manchester Derby. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, he'll probably lose. He might lose to Tottenham. Well, they might lose to Tottenham. I'll say he. Um, and then I feel like for whatever reason, it's not going to happen after that, and they're going to get pumped by City. And then if he's still but that's around even for the worse. Wa- if like, he's still around for the Watford game, then it's going to be an uproar. Yeah, I, I mean, but yeah. you know what's going to happen? They're going to bring in someone new, and it's going to be the same story unless they bring in someone that's going to be able to influence the decisions going around in that club. Because then it's going to be the same thing next year. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and if that happens, then I think there's going to be major questions around the board and whether they have to change, you know, what's going on there, mm-hmm. unless they bring in someone. Like amazing, like Rafa Benitez or someone that's gonna be. Yeah, to I'm. I'm hearing Antonio Conte's name being floating around. Oh yeah, well he's a free agent right now. He's yeah. not, you know, he's not doing anything. He knows <laughs> the English game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of got run out of town. <laughs> yeah, with Chelsea, but I mean, but if he gets brought in at the same kind of shenanigans goes, he might be the same situation with Chelsea, where he's just like, okay, you guys aren't listening to me. I'm done. Mm-hmm. You can fire me if you want. So. He's a guy with a big personality, too. Like, I feel like him and Solskjaer cannot be more opposite yeah. to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, his playing style at Chelsea was more defensive-minded. That's just kind of natural with the Italian, you know, the Italian in him. Mm-hmm. But then that, when he was coaching at Inter, it was all, like, counterattacking play. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, at Inter, they played almost like Leicester did when they won the title. Yeah. It was, like, it was very controlled in a sense where they allowed teams to come at them, but they never really seemed um, like they were going to get broken down. And then once they got the ball, it was just like quick, 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 you know, one, two passing up the field. Lukaku scores. Mm. Tower Martinez scores. Uh, you know, Sanchez is still there. Sanchez scores. Like, mm. it was kind of crazy how I they f- played. I feel like that they do. Now that you say that, that might be good for them. Antonio Conte and that kind of style because they can't, they can't control like a high profile game with possession in the midfield. No. So they maybe just soak up pressure and counter because they do have the players for that. And they're also right having now. a troubled time right now, like defending. <laughs> Like, which is crazy because they brought in Baran, another high-profile guy. He didn't even play. Today. He didn't play today. No, I'm not sure what's going on there. But yeah. who was the center back today? It was Maguire and who? Or did they just play three at the back? 
I don't even know. Maybe that's the it problem. Was just, <laughs> it was just, I can't even remember. It was just in shambles the whole time. Uh, I'm going to just it? check real quick. <laughs> don't even remember the center back. They're just non-existent. Oh, it was Lindelof. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know he was there. I did not see Lindelof like at all today. <laughs> I know. Juan Basaka, I noticed him a lot because he got forward. Luke Shaw got forward. But like, they might as well have been playing three at the back because I didn't <laughs> see Lindelof like in any play. Um. Yeah, I mean, going forward with them, it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes up. Um, like we talked about, like high-profile games coming up that at any point in the season will make or break your team, mm-hmm. not including having the pressure that they have right now. Right. So I don't know if maybe maybe the players will rally up behind Solskjaer maybe and they play a little bit better. They might have a little chip on their shoulder and like want to perform better for him to keep his job. Mm. Or it could be the complete opposite. Yeah, we, like we don't know what's going on in the locker room too. Like there could be things that Solskjaer is saying that the players just don't agree with. Yeah, or you know he could be he could be playing guys out of position and they could have a bad attitude and say, "Oh, I'm not going to play for this guy right now." Yeah, well, I'm not going to give you know my 110. percent Yeah, it's that, always tough, right? I've seen that before in teams. I mean, even like personally, I've seen that like in with teams that I played for with coaching. You have like disgruntled players with coaches. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, obviously, at the professional level, you would expect people to be more professional, yeah, and give it all for the team. But we all know how it is. Like, yeah, it's it's always, it's tough, right? Like a lot of the time, ego always prevails, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always tough to give your heart and soul to something when you feel like you can't because someone's not meeting you halfway. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Like you said, if if it happens tomorrow, won't be really surprised. Uh. But I really feel for, feel for like the entire menu thing because I think it all really boils down to ownership. Um, I think they've struggled with that for a long time, and I think that's something that really needs to get fixed. Because if you're protesting the ownership that runs your club, you know it's it's really tough because everything stems from top down, right? Mm-hmm. You know if if you worked for a boss that you hated, you know. It's tough, right? And the fans are the lifeblood of, of the club, right? Like the fans always stay. So yeah. if, if they hate ownership, it's I think it it kind of ver, ver, reverberates. <laughs> like that one. Got it out. Reverberates off the walls. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it goes through the whole club, right? Like, you know. Yeah. It's really tough. And it's it's bad to see when your fans are protesting yeah. outside your home stadium. Yeah, but owning a team just prints money too. Oh, it does. They made their money like, back on Ronaldo in like the first day from, just from money. jersey sales. Mm-hmm. You know, like he still changed his number. They made they made it very clear that he was not changing his number, <laughs> so you could have a new CR seven jersey from yeah. Manu. Because it's tough, right? Like imagine your ownership. You're running a business. You can sign Ronaldo, and you're going to make your money back on him in a day. Yeah, and then everything after that is going to be profit, and you're running a business. You know. It's unfortunate that that comes first for a lot of uh, ownership um, because long-term, I think having a really successful team is what's going to make and break the bank. Hmm. And even now, too, like with COVID being a thing last year and having games behind closed doors, yeah, with being full capacity now or whatever it is, almost full capacity, and bringing in more high-profile players, they probably raise the price of tickets up, too. Oh, yeah. Just to compensate for, you know, if they're doing 85%. Of capacity, they probably raise the tickets by 15, 20%. Mm-hmm. And they're going to buy into it. 
Yeah. They give me a tummy. Like, they're, I mean, you know, he's not going to fill Ultra Trafford for, for a match. So, yeah. Just by doing that, too. They all, it's all strategic. It's all planned out ahead of time. Um, yeah, they'll definitely make the money back in any loss from COVID from last year. Yeah. But with that, you want to bring results in, too. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to obviously be a side that fills a stadium every single week and has really good players and be a pretty good team. But to be a really good team and to win titles, it's completely different. I mean, like, look at Leicester. Yeah. They're, they have no history in the Premier League. They do what they did. And, I mean, like, they're obviously, like, not doing as well recently. But just to have the clout of being, like, a Premier League champion, mm-hmm. it's completely different than being, like, a middle-class team filling up stadiums still and, like, you know, yeah. finishing 14th place. Yeah. yeah. You, like, carry it with you, right? Like, no one's ever going to be able to take that away from Leicester. They'll, they'll always be that team. Mm-hmm. One of the very few that have won uh, the Premier League in the modern era. And, you know, your ownership, that's what sells tickets. So <laughs> you got to focus on that at the end of the day. Right? Yeah. Um, a little transition to a team that has had some recent success, uh, especially in Champions League. Chelsea Norwich. <laughs> Absolute thrashing. <laughs> Absolute Poor Norwich. Thrashing. Scroll this table down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Where's Norwich sitting here? Yeah. Look at the minus, goal differential. Minus 21. Oh, my God. You know, two goals for after nine games. I mean, it speaks for itself. Feel for them. Like, yeah. I got two draws. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not a zero next to the point column, thank God. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It, it, and I think it just gets worse when you're at the bottom of the table. Like, at this point, how can you turn your season around? And I feel like it just snowballs into, you know, game after game that you keep losing. It's like, hey, now, <laughs> you know, it's tough to get a win, to get wins when you're this kind of mm-hmm. downward momentum. But what's yeah. crazy, though, is, like, if they just get two wins... I know, then you're out of the... Like, if, you know, if, two Le- wins, if, if Leeds get two losses in a row and Norwich somehow gets two wins, they're out of relegation. <laughs> like, it could, happen, need, yeah. it, it could happen in the a two The first win is always the most difficult because you get one, then, oh, we're in... Uh, we're one spot out. And then you get, like, you know, a goal differential matter. I love but watching you, the rele- relegation battle. Like, it's... It's tough. It's fascinating, though. Speaking of relegation, you know... And we'll go come back to Chelsea Norwich in a sec, but Newcastle again, new ownership, billions of dollars, but they're sitting nineteenth. You know what? What happens if they don't get out of the relegation zone? And they have this ownership. I feel like Newcastle is going to have a tale of two seasons before and after January. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, what's her well, January transfer I mean, window going to look like? And I'm not sure about fin- like. How fine I do know how financial fair play works, but how much money can they spend in January? I mean, you know, if, if City can go out and buy Grealish for what 100 whatever 110 it was, or something, 110 Hard, pounds, yeah, I think it was just 100, 100 pounds, yeah. 100 yeah. million pounds, Newcastle should be able to spend at least upwards of that, yeah, like you would think at least, but because uh, I think it depends on the amount of money you bring in as well. And I know City does bring in a decent amount of money. And I and I know Grealish was the only player they signed, so I'm wondering, you know, how much money does Newcastle bring in, mm-hmm. and you know, how much can they spend on players? Yeah, you know, if you can, I'm not sure if come January, say you can spend, you know, eighty or hundred million, you do need like 
seven or eight players to really revamp that squad to start yeah. challenging for Champions League, and I don't think you can get that in January. I'm just wondering, can you get enough to get you out of the drop zone? Oh, I, yeah, to get out of relegation, I think for sure. Because yeah. I don't think, even, even now, I don't think the disconnect between like Newcastle and Awafer is that much, like player-wise. Like obviously Steve Bruce is gone now from Newcastle. Yeah. So whoever they bring in is going to really have to, you know, buckle down and do all they can to get out of relegation. Because like you said, imagine they get this new ownership and they just drop. Yeah. Like, that'd be ridiculous. Fiasco. Maybe the richest <laughs> championship <laughs> side of all time. I know. But I feel like you know from 19th to 14th, like Newcastle to Watford, they could easily climb out of that. Even like with the players they have now, if they just change the culture of the team, maybe, mm-hmm. like, maybe some playing styles or players come in and have a better impact. Yeah. So if you do bring in, you know, two, three players, which they always get found somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like you find a random kid from like Portugal who just like comes in the EPL and breaks out or a guy from, I don't even know, Senegal or something like just off the board. Um, and you give them a shot in the EPL and like they could actually make a difference. So I think if they're able to find those players in January, which I'm really sure they're going to, like they're going to do a hunt. In January, whatever mm-hmm. scouts they have now for Newcastle, I mean, they might still be there. They might not be there. I don't know, but they're going to be put like they're going to be put to the test. Yeah, because like again, with that influx of money coming in, um, yeah, they got to make an impact for sure. And also, Newcastle is like a historic side as well. Like they were so good before the Premier League started. Yeah, before the EPL actually became a thing, so they're a storied side too. And I mean. You would look at them and say, "Why would they get bought now?" Well, it's probably because like their value of their team has never, yeah. been, never been better. Yeah, they're sitting nineteenth. I mean, they had a poor season last year, but they stayed up, and you know, like they get taken advantage of. I would buy them if I could. Historic yeah. franchise, well, franchise, historic club, and like I said, like they're probably their team value has probably never been lower. So yeah. you buy them for whatever good price that they got bought for, and then just pump them. Yeah, and you can build them all the way back up again. So. I mean, it'd be good to see. Obviously, the more competitive teams in the in the league, the better. Um, I don't know if they actually announced who the manager was, the new manager. Mm. Uh, they played today. Oh, they played yesterday, sorry. Got a 1-1 draw. Um, but I don't know who they brought in as their manager. If, he, if he's just a caretaker or... Yeah, like interim. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't see it right now. I wonder if we get like an Antonio Conte at Newcastle. Going to Newcastle? That'd be wild. Oh, man. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you said, I think I I do agree that it was probably a really good purchase on, on their end. Uh, I just really hope they, they stay, <laughs> they up. stay up. That'd be <laughs> Otherwise, that'd be very awkward. It like, would oh, be. Like, oh, here's what's happening at Newcastle in the championship, though. Uh, it's Graham Jones. <laughs> Graham Jones right now is the interim manager. Um, so I think he might just been on the coaching staff. Yeah. And he just kind of slid into the role after Steve Bruce. They said that he, um, they mutually parted ways. Yeah. He got canned. Like, you think? <laughs> we all know what that means. Yeah, yeah. They probably put it out there in like their press conference or their press briefing that he was, was a mutual, uh, yeah, mutual consent. It says here that he left the position. He, he got canned. <laughs> Yeah. I was always rooting for Steve Bruce. I always liked him. Me too. He looks so nice. Yeah, and <laughs> I was rooting for him. Like, oh, like hopefully he keeps his job with new ownership. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. 
I just want to give him a hug. Yeah. I've always liked him as a manager. He's a man you legend. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he'll uh, come to mm. <laughs> I, I, threw, I threw that or I was like, can you imagine if uh, Rooney oh, that'd came? Be a, that'd be a spicy meatball. Left the uh, left derby for the main new job. Yeah. Steve but, Bruce going to United would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if he... I don't know. Could he take them to Champions League? Maybe. I mean, he's got a lot of experience. I think he's done with coaching, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his team's manager now. He has no like top top team manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Newcastle, Sheffield Wednesday, Villa, uh, Hull City, Sunderland, Wigan. Like it's all kind of like mid tier. Yeah. Like there's really always been like group of managers that are just very solid. Yeah. <laughs> mid tier table. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he's so. It's again like he's so solid that he gets like put into positions to try and stay away from relegation. But then he's always a new manager. <laughs> like yeah. something's not being. Like, you know, there's no Steve game Bruce like, is managing this club this year. <laughs> yeah, it's like where's he gonna bounce to next year? Because we know he's not gonna stay. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, it's true. I mean, you you always have your big profile managers. Um, the one time I thought I was gonna see it where um, um, called the guy coaching Liverpool back in the day um, when he went there from Swansea. Brennan Rodgers? Oh, Brennan Rodgers. Yeah, Brennan yeah. Rodgers. Um, I thought he was going to be one of those managers where, you know, he's with Swansea, doing really decent for when they got promoted, and then went to Liverpool. I really thought he was going to take Liverpool by the horns because I just really thought he was a really solid manager um, for Swansea. And that didn't really work out. And went to Leicester and he's been doing really well. Mm-hmm. Maybe Eddie Howe gets another shot. The old Bournemouth manager. Yeah. He was a young oh, yeah. stud with Bournemouth. He, he was sick. That. Yeah. He can get a crack at Newcastle, get a crack at United maybe. Uh, there, I think there was speculation of that. Yeah. Maybe him going to United. I, I heard him going to Arsenal when it was Arteta being floated around. Yeah. Like a new Arsenal guy okay. when Banger was like getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. Eddie Howe's name got floated a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that's when Bournemouth was starting to kind of decline a little bit. But like you... That's more of the team. I don't think it was him because he was there for, you know, 13 years total as a manager. Right. As well as being a player for, for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think his coaching pedigree was like the one that caused the decline of Bournemouth. But, I mean, he would have been a good a good person to maybe slot in because he's still young enough that he knows like the new wave of the game. And yeah, obviously he gave Bournemouth an opportunity to play in, in the Premier League division for a couple of seasons. So, Doing that's huge for them. Yeah, yeah, and I always, I always wonder with like, especially uh, managers like uh, Eddie Howe and other like mid-table managers. I guess if that's even a thing, um, how well they would do with big ownership, uh, being able to bring in players they want. Because obviously, you know, if you're a mid-table team, you can't just bring in, you know, all these big profile players that are really going to fit into the system that you want to play. You really have to deal with what your team can afford. So I always wonder how um, well these managers would do when they really have all the the funds uh, that they need to build the players in the system they feel like would be the best system to play. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be super interesting. Well, he'd have to prove himself first. He would. Imagine he just like, yeah. walks into like United... In the boardroom, and he's like, "I want to get messy." 
Well, everyone wants Messi. There's this guy named Mbappe from PSG. I think I want to get him on our team. It's like, okay, pump the brakes here, son. Yeah. Like, how about you go sign... I don't know. I can't think of anybody right now. Go sign... Uh, Eden Hazard. Oh, that'd be a good assignment for them, too. Yeah, no, I'm, thinking, just like, I'm trying to think of like, just a gritty guy. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> Milner. Milner would be sick. <laughs> Yeah. It was like a journeyman. That's the thing too. Like guys don't really bounce around that much anymore. Like you look at the old players here. Like they just you know play for two seasons, go somewhere else, play for another two seasons. Yeah, that's true. Oh, who's that guy? He was on. Uh, he was on Liverpool. Wicked left foot. Played for Stoke City as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I hate. I hate him. Adams or something. Yeah. Uh. uh Charlie Adams? Is it Charlie Adams? I don't know. I can't oh, remember his name, but the guy that scored from half. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Adams. Yeah. Charlie Adam. 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 He's a he's a piece of work. Go sign Charlie Adam. Maybe maybe get him first. Yeah. He's not even playing anymore. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, he scored for Liverpool. That, that game was crazy against Chelsea. Scored from half. Yeah. Or beyond half. <laughs> I was for Stoke, I yeah, think. Yeah, and Courtois is like losing his thing. Like, what is happening here? Courtois another Cor- guy too. Like, thank God Chelsea got rid of him. I think. Oh, you didn't like him. I mean, he's good. It's just so funny because we we got rid of Courtois, who's like six foot five or something. Mm-hmm. They bring in Kepa, who's like five foot six, and like they could not be different. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you yeah, bring yeah. this like you, you leave this like giant goalie and like, go put him go send him to Real Madrid, and you bring in Kepa. Yeah, now they got Kepa, <laughs> arguably one of the best goalies. Yeah, Mendy's, Mendy better start getting some more recognition because, like, he's good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in this game here, he didn't have to prove himself that much. I mean, it was 7-0. Mm. Uh, like, just from, like, the off of the game, like, it was kind of dictated that Chelsea was going to be dominant. But, I mean, Mendy's posted a lot of clean sheets. They only have three goals against the whole season, mm-hmm. which yeah, is I mean, wild. I mean, that's City's uh, got four. But, I mean, to have three goals against this deep in the season already. Yeah. Um, very solid. Obviously, having a structured team like under Tuchel is another guy who is a top pedigree manager. I mean, like the top three really stand out as a top three. Yeah. You know, Chelsea, Liverpool, yeah. and City. You look at the players, world class, international pedigree, domestic pedigree. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the guys behind the team, mm-hmm. setting them up every week. And you look at how they compose themselves. You look at how they expect perfection week in, week out, just to bring it full circle to Solskjaer. I don't think he has that yeah. mindset yeah. in his game. Yeah. Because when I watch United play, they're just individuals. Yeah. And I think he just literally says, this is how we're going to line up, but you go do you. Mm-hmm. And you look at a team like City and Chelsea and Liverpool, they play as a team. Yeah. And like, they fully engulf what it means to be a team yeah no and like you said when i look at those top three i'm like there's a it's so night and day between me and even or between them and you know even the next you know six six or seven teams that some others would like you know i know west ham and brighton aren't, aren't the biggest clubs but tottenham man U, everton leicester arsenal you know to me it's just not even on the same level, you know, you know, I wouldn't even consider it a big six anymore. It's like, no, there's the top three. And then <laughs> you have all these other clubs. 
Yeah, you know, we. It's just so stark. From the beginning, we kind of predicted that there's going to be at least a top two running away from the season, mm. and then we also mentioned like at least three, maybe. Like you know, we didn't. We never counted out Chelsea. Never counted out Liverpool, City. Mm, right. But this far in the season, I think it's only going to start. Yeah. Showing more and more and more. Yeah. How good they actually are. Yeah, you're going to see a massive gap between the front three and then even fourth place. And I'll yeah. take it. Because yeah. like the last couple of seasons, it's been like a runaway both years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. City last year, Liverpool the year before. We haven't had a tight battle. If it's a three-way tight battle. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Where, I mean, like literally at that point, like every game matters because yeah. you can jump three to one in, in one match, right? Yeah. In one yeah. match week. So, um, yeah. yeah, Chelsea, I mean, they did their job this week. 7-0. Handedly. Yeah, uh, really. All three of them did their job. Yeah, really, <laughs> all seriously. three of them did. Yeah. Again, uh, like just clinical games. Yep. And, um, I mean, Liverpool—they beat City, obviously. City beat Chelsea. So now we need Chelsea to get it. Oh, Chelsea beat Liverpool. No, Chelsea not. I think they tied. They tied. That's yeah. right. So, I mean, it's going to come down to a three-horse race, probably. Yeah. Like I said, City yeah. did their job, winning four-one against Brighton. It's crazy that they're fifth place this right now, yeah. but um, that was another game where you know by the thirtieth minute the game was almost over. Yeah, I mean, ten three goals in first thirty minutes. Yeah, like that's, that's minutes. hard to come back from. And like yeah. Brighton snatched like a late PK um, at the end of the game. Then eightieth minute, yeah, it was a PK. Yeah, whatever. Little consolation goal, but um, City walked in there and did their job. And walked away with the victory. Um, other matches that stand out: West Ham being Tottenham one nil. Obviously, London Derby. Mm-hmm. Always a pretty big match when that comes in. Um, I mean Tottenham too. They're another team where they could slide. Yeah, they could slide in the standings. And you don't even think about it. Yeah, yeah, they're just going up and down, right? And they're kind of getting results. You know, just over five hundred for their season so far. Um, five wins, four losses. You know, very, very average, I think, yeah. by their standards. What's what's crazy, too, I just noticed, them and Arsenal are the only two top 10 teams with a negative goal differential. Yeah. And then the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> There's ever an indication that uh, you got to square it up in D. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you said, um, they're another one of those sides where you know they're they probably consider themselves the top side, but you need to grind it out every game and play almost like you're not a top side. Like you look at City play, you know, they especially on their high press, they they high press like I feel like bottom uh, tier teams should high press, right? Whereas you know. I feel like they think they deserve it a little bit, but you know, you always got to work hard no matter where you're sitting in the standings. Yeah. I mean, they could easily, like I said, they could easily slide to fifth or drop to like ninth. Yeah. And, and like, we wouldn't even think about it. Right. Yeah. Um, what's going to say here? Leicester beat Brentford. Brentford, another game, another team that we, you know, they were in the top 10 for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We kept saying how they're an exciting side. We have to keep talking with them more, but then they lose to Leicester. And then Arsenal against Villa. Arsenal making a little comeback here. 
Yeah. Um, just a few short episodes ago, we were talking about Arsenal getting relegated and how Arteta's going to lose his job. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I think he's staying. What the hell do we know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's a good turnaround from them, sitting 10th. You know, I mean, I think the difference is they, Arteta has a strategy. I think a lot of it's modeled after Pep. Um, right. So yeah. they have, they, yeah, they brought in a lot of young guys. And like I said before, they still do need some experience, like those great players. Um, but at least mm-hmm. Arteta, you know, has a game plan. So we'll see, you know, maybe in two to three years, we see the manifestation of what they're trying to build there. But, you know, they are trying to build something. I mean, we'll see if it pans out. I know, as as fans and like pundits, like we are, we <laughs> just expect like results now. Yeah, and like it's just being impatient. Mm-hmm. And so we saw like a team like Arsenal being a huge club like they are. We expect them to be decent. Yeah. So when they started as low as they did, mm-hmm. like obviously we're gonna jump at that. Yeah. Obviously we're gonna be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> obviously we're gonna say they're gonna get relegated yeah. and then relegated again. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that, we mentioned that, but obviously that was not gonna be truthful. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't see them contending for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So last podcast, we brought a new segment in called LKG low key. Good. Um, so what we're going to do is have our each suggestion mm-hmm. we're, we're going to put forth, um, you know, put a little, little sauce on it to, you know, pitch who we think it's Loki good player of the week and then at the end we'll decide like who actually, who actually put wins. forth your player of the week <laughs> <laughs> choose your character choose your character <laughs> so I chose Mateo Kovacic mm-hmm. um, obviously Chelsea bias involved a little bit I just don't think he gets the recognition that he should deserve um, when he first came to the side he he wasn't always making starting 11 he kept um coming in different roles but under Tuchel especially he's just been like one of the first guys on the team sheet I think if you don't have Conte playing or Jorginho playing um, I think he still makes a side every once in a while and he more times than not proves why he should be in the starting 11 he does the dirty work he has more of an offensive threat than N'Golo Conte does because when Conte gets the ball, sometimes I get so nervous because like he doesn't have the best, you know, offensive ability. I think, mm-hmm. but we see time and time again how Kovacic can play a pass. Um, you know, he set up the Mason Mount, or sorry, he set up the Callum Hudson Odoi goal this week with the beauty through ball from like you know, like a twenty thirty yard pass. Um, and like I said, he just kind of is always in the mix in the team, and I feel like this is probably like a very, um common trait that we're going to say with the LKG player because like it's just the guy that kind of gets the unsung hero of the week or yeah um and I think the I think they're gonna be similar players almost every week but we'll try and change it up when we can but my my suggestion for this week is Mateo Kovacic Kovacic yep um I went with Nabi Keita on the report I know he scored on the weekend and lately he's been scoring a couple bangers from outside the box so people have taken notice but on a team where there's tons of stars like, you know, Virgil van Dijk, Mane, you know, Firmino, Salah, um, he's just kind of there and you don't notice him a lot, especially except the last couple of weeks where he's been scoring bangers. But it, he's someone you don't really notice, which I guess in his position is kind of a good thing. Like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he gets into good areas and he's always a threat. So going with Keita, 
we'll see <laughs> next couple of weeks if he keeps scoring half volleys mm-hmm. from outside the box in clinical goals. But okay. Um. Well, I feel weird calling mine low key good because he does get talked about a lot, but I don't think enough value is brought to a lot of other teams that don't play city style. Um, so I'm going to go with Joao Cancelo. Cancelo. Um, just because it really highlights how city play and how, you know, the games evolved when you have inverted um, outside backs, you know, typically we're used to seeing them play a lot like a wing back role and they're like hugging the touchline and getting forward that way um, and swinging crosses and doing that. Um, at, until Pep came to City, I really didn't see a lot of the invert, inverted defender play where you have your outside backs coming inside and collecting the ball and playing, you know, in Concello's situation, almost like a center midfielder and forward at times where they're coming inside and they're playing like a midfielder and, you know, getting a lot of touches on, on the ball and then creating chance for their team. And I think that gets really undervalued by a lot of teams. And it really shows in terms of how well City can keep possession. A lot of times when you have a player that's your outside back, where, you know, in the old days, you would never have a player with that amount of skill at their feet playing outside back, right? And then they come inside and and they can be a playmaker. So it goes to show that it lets City be able to create chances from anywhere. Whereas other teams, you know, you're, I don't want to say stuck, but you're kind of stuck with the players you have playing in midfielder to create something as opposed to being able to have a player in any position be able to create something. Um, so that's why I would go with him. And, you know, last few weeks he's he's scored in Champions League, you know, really good goals. And he's just been really solid for them. And uh, that is why I'm going to put Concello forward as my LKG player of the week. Nice. So let's do a little bit of vote. Can't vote for yourself. Don't pick. <laughs> okay. Joe, you Three vote tier here. Hmm. I'm going to go with... Hmm. It's tough. Joao. Mm. Okay. Mm. Yep. I'm going to go Nabikata. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so do I like strategic <laughs> vote here to make it a three-way tie? <laughs> um, I'm going to think of Kovacic or Keita. Um, you know, I think, you know, in all honesty, I would go with Kovacic just because of how solid he's always been um, for Chelsea. Um, you know, he's, you know, hasn't made a lot of mistakes and he's always there to really do the job. And he's really stepped up in big games when they needed him to and just been really solid all, all in all. So, yeah, I think we got we to still me here, boys. Wake up my, my wife and have her come down. Yeah, just... <laughs> call, up, call up Gal and get her down here. Hey, just pick like, one, two, or three. Yeah. <laughs> Which name sounds better? Yeah, I'll text her if she's still awake. I'll just say pick one, two, or three, and that'll, that'll be the first uh, official winner of the LKG. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, they're all they're all really key. Um, and I mean, for me, like I said with Jao, I just like how it's been like a really new role. I'm, I'm honestly a little surprise i mean i don't know how arteta is trying to implement it at arsenal but how more teams haven't 
tried to implement uh, inverted outside backs just because I think it adds so much value to your team. Well, I you feel know, like it's hard well, to find those players. I think oh, it's, it's, hard. it's very, it's very Cause, hard. You know, right? Well, yeah. you look at guys, even Zinchenko and Joao and even Walker, they're very, they're all really solid and they're all good with the balls at their feet. I think for a lot of teams, it would be tough to do like play that system because their outside backs maybe can't see that 20, 30 yard pass the yeah. way that Joao and Zinchenko can. Cause you know, when they go inside, they, it feels like they're comfortable and they act like midfielders, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think in that sense, maybe that's why. And I think it's really, cause you know, Zinchenko plays midfielder mm-hmm. when he plays international, right? It's really tough. Say you're Leicester or even United at this point. If you go to a really solid midfielder on an international squad, like Zinchenko be like, you're going to come play outside back for us. Yeah. They're like, no. <laughs> right. Whereas, mm. you know, you have someone like Pep come to you and be like, you know, we have this system. You're going to come play outside back for us. You kind of buy into the system. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think that obviously helps kind of the situation where the rich get richer, mm. where you can have really solid players that wouldn't normally play there go into your system just because mm-hmm. they know you're going to win trophies and they're going to be part of that. And so. like, if you had a player with that quality in that class and they did go into like a middle tier team, they'd probably be like center mid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's like to have, to have that skill on like the outside of your defenders. That's massive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you just said that or not. I'm just well, no, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> say that specifically, but it, <laughs> I'll it is something. <laughs> it is true because um, even when Zinchenko won city, uh, I, I think it was a cup game they were playing. Uh, they put out, you know, you would call it a weaker side for them, but Zinchenko was playing, you know, holding mid, set of mid. Yeah. Just for them. That's a solid luxury to have. Yeah. That's kind of like what Chelsea can do now with um, with Trevor Chalaba. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like a young up-and-coming player. Uh, he's only had a handful of appearances this season, but every game that he's played in, he's been, like, pretty impactful. And he's played, like, outside back. He's played center back a couple times. And then he's also played like the Angola Conte role of like a defender, uh, defending mid. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a player who's still trying to find his foot, and like I think Tuchel's using him like in different positions to find out like where he is best utilized. When if you have a player like at that young, uh, at that uh, at that age, and like he does have a lot of upside, mm-hmm. just what like what a luxury just to be able to throw some kid in like you know, yeah. on random spot on the field and say, okay, let's see if you work over here right now. Yeah. Oh, okay, we'll put you center back. Oh, let's go put you to like outside right. Yeah. It's like and they win. Yeah. Like I mean he's he's performing well. He scored a goal this year. Uh yeah. he played he played in this game again. Um Yeah, I mean, like it just goes to show again the depth of like the, the top sides. Yeah. I mean it can't be B. Like you can't like when we come down to the end of the season and we look back at you know the top four, top five, whoever you know qualifies for Europe we'll be able to see like really like where the depth stands out. Yeah. And again, with more like domestic competitions and more European competitions that go on throughout the year, depth's going to come into play. And I think that's like, obviously skill is one thing we talk about it at length about how the manager sets the team up with tactics. But if you don't have depth in your side mm-hmm. and there's no chance you're going to win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because I feel like there's two teams that you have your players basically playing anywhere. I mean, City doesn't do it often, you know, when they're playing in the big games. And I think most games in the EPL, unless they feel like they can afford to put out 
um, and rest some of their best players, even if they have best players. But when you have a situation where you can put someone like Zinchenko in the middle of the field, because City have a system, they're going to be like, all right, you're going to slide into this position. And then you have players where it's like, yeah, I can go into any position, but we have a system and I know the job I have to do in that position Mm -hmm. where you have other teams that might be more disorganized where they have players playing everywhere, but they don't really know what they're doing going everywhere Mm -hmm. where it's, it's two, it's two sides of the same situation happening, but just having that system and everyone buying into it makes all the difference. Right. Yeah. That's very true. Actually. Uh, Update the outside source has spoken. Yeah, and what do we got here? Jacancello is here the we first go. <laughs> inaugural winner of the Footy Fans LKG Player of the Week. Yeah. And wow. we wanna hear we wanna hear your uh your calls on this. So um for anyone listening, we got Kovacic, Keita, and Zhao. Yeah. For the record, Salah does not qualify as a low key <laughs> low key good player of the week because no. <laughs> recognition good. plus uh Hat trick disqualifies yes. you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we were to vote like the MVP of the week every single every single time, it, it wouldn't be, the, be the yeah. same players, right? Yeah, right. These are for the unsung heroes. These are for the guys that don't get, you know, on the score sheet every single week and mm-hmm. right. make a big impact. So, shout out to to JD Nevels for for phoning this one in. Totally unbiased. I literally said pick one, two, or three. <laughs> so he picked uh, number three there. Yeah. So I don't know if Santo gets the win for this too. Actually, we'll keep a running tally of who gets mm-hmm. the most LKGs um, at the end of the year. Sounds good. Uh, checking in on next week's matches. Uh, the big one that we said, Tottenham United. That's going to really dictate, I think, again, like how Solskjaer, you know, how the rest of his season goes with United. Yep. Um, that's on. That's on Saturday, and maybe the big game from. Saturday morning, uh, Leicester City Arsenal. Yep. It's the early one, seven thirty. Um, yeah, it's a mid-table clash at this point, but still, obviously, yeah. big profile game. I guess see a lot of goals in that one. Yeah, maybe. Arsenal shaky defense. Mm-hmm. Leicester been a little suspect this year too on defending. They like to attack, so that'd be a good one. Yeah, should be a game. Uh, Liverpool Brighton. <laughs> I guess we can call it a top five match. Mm-hmm. We can. Um, I mean, we obviously think it's going to go one way, but I mean, Brighton proved today. Yeah, they lost four one, but the second half, if they weren't down three goals and yeah. they played that the way that they did in the first half, the second half. Mm-hmm. Sorry, said that backwards. If they play the way that they did in the first half, the way that they played the second half, that could be a totally different game against City. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I think obviously City's like a stronger side, but um. Brighton could really put up a good fight. So if they play like that against Liverpool, you never know. Yeah, I mean Liverpool is going in with a lot of confidence, especially. Yeah, I'm smashing the rivals. I'm but, trying to hype yeah. Brighton a little bit here. Yeah, you know, I'm. But they, yeah, Brighton. I think Brighton can go in with a lot of confidence as well. Um, they took it to yeah to the champs, and they're still going on a high. You know, they sit in fifth. So we'll see. Also, that day is Chelsea Newcastle. Uh, we'll see how, you know, the interim manager at Newcastle can can try and rally his boys against Chelsea. Again, another game, another team that is super confident right now. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off that loss in Champions League to Juventus, they've been mm-hmm. on a tear. Yeah, I mean, they got like I don't know, thirteen goals in the last three games, so yeah. including Champions League. So Chelsea's on a mission again. They don't have Lukaku or Werner. They're both out for a couple of weeks. 
Um, so we'll see how they set up their their team for that match. I mean, they didn't play a number nine uh, right. in the mm-hmm. game today. <laughs> Sorry, the game yesterday for the first time in a while because they, they, they've had Lukaku playing every single game, I think, so far, including, you know, domestic cups and Champions League and all that. So yeah, um, the way that they set up today was kind of the same way that they've been setting up last year under Tuchel with the false nine, and clearly that, that worked yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if they can keep that rolling. And also that day is Man City Crystal Palace. So... Yep, <laughs> City <laughs> always tends to struggle against. I Crystal know. I was Palace. just gonna say, <laughs> there's always that thing with that Crystal Palace has with City, like a trap game. Not sure. They, <laughs> I mean, you think they'd win, but we'll see. Yeah, there's not one like huge standout match, which I mean, we've been we've been blessed the last few weeks. Yes, with some pretty high profile games, and then the next week after that is the big Manchester derby. So, mm. you know, we'll take a little backseat to this one. Uh, biggest one to tune into probably Tottenham United. See how that plays out. Yep. I'm thinking again if that does not uh, bode well for United, I could see and the Monday morning papers reading Ole out, uh, making it official. Yeah, I agree. Can maybe try and dodge the scrutiny of you know the upcoming Man City game. Yeah. Like it's different. Like if you let's say they come off the draw against Tottenham. Or they, mm-hmm. maybe they squeak out a win, and then they go and get just annihilated by City. The narrative of that would be like, why is he still here for this game? Yeah. Whereas if let's say they, you know, they draw against Tottenham, but still not a good performance, so they lose, and he gets let go. The person coming in has no, like, <laughs> pressure for that game against City. Yeah. yeah. Like United can go out even themselves too. Like the the players might feel like, okay, look, there's a weight off our shoulders now. Manager's out. We can breathe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe there's less pressure on them and they actually come out and play better against City. Yeah, which tends to, it happens a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you get rejuvenated with a new manager and go into a game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Time and time again, we've seen that. You get a little like new manager bump. Yeah. You go on a run of like four or five wins in your first, you know, a couple of games with a new manager. I don't know if that's going to happen, obviously. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're United, I don't think you bring in like a high profile guy like right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wait. Um, and leave like kind of the excitement on who's going to come in because yeah yeah it could be st- strategic wait till before the the city derby or the the Manchester derby to announce anything that's going to happen just for the hopes of getting the best performance you can and saying you beat the champions mm-hmm. yeah right like that, the phone is hot right now too like whoever is like touted to come there like they're on the phone with United already right now yeah mm-hmm. like they have to be doing the due diligence of like behind the scenes like in case. You know, Solskjaer does get let go um, pretty soon. They're going to have somebody in mind. Like, they're not just going to be like, okay, he's gone now. What do we do? Yeah. Like, there's oh, got to yeah. be, like, a contingency plan. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, they might have, like, the the red presidential phone over there on, like, mm-hmm. the hotline, like, ready to call up Antonio Conte or something. Or Where's call Zidane? Up, <laughs> call up Zidane, you know. Yeah. That'd be crazy, too. Uh, We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an exciting spot to... uh. To look at, I mean, this is why we love EPL. You say it every week. Yeah, best league in the world, the most parody in the world, and um, I mean, we never like to see a manager go. Obviously, we're talking premature, but sometimes it's for the better of the team. Yeah, you know, it happens, right? Um, 
sometimes it's just it's best for the manager to go and it's best for the team that the manager leaves so uh it's it's always tough but sometimes it's what's best even though it's a it's a tough decision are we good here boys yeah we are good all right i want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of the footy fans podcast as always you can find us on twitter at footy underscore fans p-h-a-n-s also the audio of the podcast is posted up on youtube you guys can find us there um i want to thank everyone for tuning in and you can catch up next week after all of the week's action see you everyone bye everybody ciao